This is the poem by Maya Angelou that many of us have heard, but it feels like it fits here. I know why the caged bird sings. The free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wings in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The cage bird sings with fearful trill of the things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the cage bird sings of freedom. The free bird thinks of another breeze, and the trade winds soft through the sighing trees, and the fat worms waiting on a dawn-bright lawn, and he names the sky his own. But a cage bird stands on a grave of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied. So he opens his throat to sing. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill. For the cage bird sings of freedom. Thank you, Gay. Recently, the transition team suggested that February would be People's Church History Month. And as we continue thoughtful conversation and deliberation around the goals of the interim process, goals that aim to help the congregation assess needs and desires in preparation for your next interim minister in August of this year, and your settled minister one year later. And since not everyone could brave the blazing snow that last week in January, when the transition team presented a powerful service, followed by a congregational <coughs> discernment process on the question, who and how are we now, they will post their summary in the next newsletter and make print copies available in the foyer. And you may also read the comments to the key questions on the easels in the foyer, and the website is always available. So today we step back in time to take a wider view of transition, to honor that this is also Black History Month, which actually started as Black History Week coinciding with the February birthdays of good old Abe Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, both of whom had great influence on the betterment of African Americans. Additionally, the first black senator took his oath in February, celebrating the passing of the 15th Amendment that gave blacks the right to vote. This is also the month of Valentine's Day, so we can think of February as a time to pay tribute to love. Today we focus on the love and passion of women of color who devoted Herculean energy to obtain the same basic human rights as white people. Make no mistake, the countless stories of injustice must be told from generation to generation.
We must also remember those with courage and vision and hearts full of love for what is righteous and good. We all stand on the shoulders of those whose love was strong and invincible, devoted men and women who exemplified the power of love in their efforts to create justice and equity for people of color. We celebrate today the hard-won progress as we pay tribute to some of the women, the famous and the ordinary, who propelled the cause of civil rights for all. And most are unsung, but historical images of the most dramatic moments of the movement when protesters were blasted by fire hoses and lunging dogs show that women and girls were trailblazers for freedom. They were there. Clark Olson, a Unitarian who was in Selma for the march to Montgomery, wrote that while women had spearheaded that campaign and many others, when their efforts began to bear fruit, prominent men often took the helm. When the bus boycott started, for example, Rosa Parks was not allowed to speak at the first mass meeting. She asked to speak, but one of the ministers said he thought she had done enough. The men would take it from here. (laughs) And no doubt the men did accomplish extraordinary feats, as did the women. Julian Bond, former president of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, quoted the Chinese saying, women hold up half the world. And he added, in the case of the civil rights movement, it's probably three-quarters of the world. So let's begin by taking a moment to voice aloud the names of black women who have in some way changed American society, whether famous figures or someone who might be known only to you. Let us pause now for a moment and just call out their names. Martha Burita. Marion Anderson. Angela Davis. Michelle Obama. Phyllis Wheatley. Joanne Lundy. Peggy Shepard. Mavis Staples. Billy Holiday. Mary Anderson. Maya Angelou. Miss Hendley. Wow. I feel something in the room from those naming. And I hope that there's a way that people who are still doing this work know that there are supporters who appreciate it, who maybe we aren't there at the time that they're doing the work but we know it's happening, and may they be 
having our back when we're doing the work. I would like to bring a, a slideshow and begin with a woman with the name of Isabella Baumfrey, also known as Sojourner Truth, when in 1843 she changed her name at a women's rights convention in Akron, Ohio, when she gave the famous speech, Ain't I a Woman? She began her life as a slave and ended it as a celebrated anti-slavery activist. And born in New York, she was sold several times before escaping with an infant daughter with the help of a white couple named Isaac and Maria Van Wagenen. She eventually became a traveling speaker and preacher. Although she was illiterate, she was captivating orator who spoke out for emancipation and women's rights. Mary Eliza Church Terrell, 1863 to 1954, from Memphis. Her parents were born slaves, but eventually became wealthy through real estate dealings. They provided her with the best education available to women at the time. Active in the suffragist movement, Terrell founded the Colored Women's League in 1892, which later merged to become the National Federation of Colored Women, with Terrell its first president. In 1895, she became the first African-American woman appointed to the District of Columbia Board of Education. Septima Poinsett Clark, 1898-1987, often called the Queen Mother of Civil Rights, Clark was an educator for the NAACP decades before the nation's attention turned to racial equality. Unable to teach in South Carolina public schools as a black woman, she founded many literacy schools in Tennessee. And we're not going to change the slide quite yet because the next honorees were two black women professors at Alabama State University whose names I do not know. But I've heard the story that they joined a group of Jewish women in Montgomery to start the Women's Political Council in 1948. This group laid much of the groundwork that King would later build on including organizing the Montgomery Bus Boycott. And other countless unsung volunteers were women in the churches who cooked for the activists, organized all the preparations, and cleaned up after the rallies. Ella Baker, born in Norfolk, Virginia, died in 1986 on her 83rd birthday. Baker was a driving force in the creation for the country's premier civil rights organizations graduating valedictorian from North Carolina's Shaw University in 1927. Baker moved to New York City, where she encountered dire poverty from the Depression. She founded the Young Negroes Cooperative League, whose members pooled funds to buy products and services at reduced cost. Baker joined the NAACP in 1935 as a field secretary and later served as national director. In 1946, she worked to integrate New York City's schools. In 1957, Baker and several Southern black ministers and activists established the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, 
a major force in organizing the civil rights movement. Baker was the first director working behind the scenes when Martin Luther King became its first president. In 1960, Baker helped students organize the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC. And I imagine now we're getting to the time frame where some of you know what's coming next because you were there. Bernice Johnson Reagan, born in 1942 in Georgia. Well-known today as a singer and composer, she was active in SNCC as a member of the Freedom Singers. And in 1973, she founded the internationally celebrated a cappella ensemble called Sweet Honey in the Rock, which in the 1980s first raised my awareness of the enormous contributions African-American women have made to American culture. Fannie Lou Hamer, and I just love saying that word, Fannie Lou Hamer, <laughs> daughter of a Mississippi sharecropper, was the youngest of 20 children in that family. In 1962, she helped organize a voter registration drive in her hometown. For that, she was beaten in jail by two black inmates on orders from white police. Hamer suffered permanent injuries. The police officers were later found not guilty. She's best known for co-founding the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. Her fiery speech at the 1964 convention was effective. The party offered voting rights for the first time to two black delegates. However, Hamer refused, calling the gesture insignificant, insufficient. Vivian Malone Jones defied segregationist Alabama Governor George Wallace by enrolling in the University of Alabama in 1963. She won. She won. Later, she worked in the Civil Rights Division of the U.S. Department of Justice. Amelia Boynton Robinson, born in Savannah, Georgia, Robinson campaigned for women's suffrage as a young woman. Her home in Selma, Alabama, became the center of civil rights battles and was used by Martin Luther King and his associates to plan demonstrations for voting rights. It's reported that she was the one who convinced King of the importance of the march from Selma to Montgomery. The event became known as we know now, Bloody Sunday, when on March 7th, 1965, local and state police beat demonstrators as they were crossing the Pettus Bridge. Robinson was beaten unconscious. However, the horror of Bloody Sunday contributed to the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and Robinson was president when President Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act into law. In 1964, Robinson was the first woman of any race to run for Congress from Alabama and also the first woman to run for the Democratic Party ticket there. In 1990, Robinson was awarded the Martin Luther King Jr. Freedom Medal. Vera Peggy was a Mississippi beautician who educated her customers on voter registration while styling their hair. She also held classes on voter registration, 
just one of the many behind-the-scenes advocates. Marion Wright Edelman, born in South Carolina in 1939, the child of a Baptist preacher. She received her law degree from Yale in 1963 and became the first African-American woman admitted to the Mississippi Bar. She became an attorney for the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund in Jackson. In 1968, she moved to Washington, D.C. to start the project that became the Children's Defense Fund, a child advocacy lobby that worked to decrease teenage pregnancy, increase Medicaid coverage for poor children, and secure government funding for children in early education programs such as Head Start. Edelman's books include the bestseller, The Measure of Our Success, A Letter to My Children and Yours. She has received the Albert Schweitzer Humanitarian Prize and the prestigious Presidential Medal of Freedom, among many other awards and honors. Merle Evers Williams, wife of civil rights leader Madger Evers. After Evers was assassinated in 1963, she continued her civil rights work in California, where she became the first black woman to serve on the Los Angeles Board of Public Works. And in 1995, was elected the first woman to chair the NAACP. Her memoir is called Watch Me Fly, What I Learned on the Way to Becoming the Woman I Was Meant to Be. And that feels like a hallelujah. Betty Shabazz, 1934 to 1997, an educator and civil rights advocate. Growing up in Detroit, her foster parents largely sheltered her from racism. Attending the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, however, she had her first encounters with racism and moved to New York City, where she became a nurse. There she met Mr. Malcolm X and in 1956 joined the Nation of Islam and became his wife, Betty X. Both left the Nation of Islam in 1964. She witnessed his assassination the following year, left with the responsibility of raising six daughters as a single mother. Shabazz pursued higher education, then worked at Medgar Evers College in Brooklyn. Following the arrest of her daughter, Kabila, for allegedly conspiring to murder Louis Farrakhan, Shabazz took in her young grandson, Malcolm, who set a fire in her apartment that caused severe burns to Shabazz. No one knows the details. She died three weeks later as a result of her injuries. Dr. Dorothy Cotton was for 12 years the education director of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. It's not working. Sorry, I thought we were. Okay. She served as vice president of field operations for the MLK Center for Nonviolent Social Change in Atlanta. She's designed and conducted training programs for corporations, schools, universities, government agencies, and nonprofit organizations on diverse topics addressing peace relations, multiculturalism, spiritual growth, nonviolence education, and civic organizing for the 21st century. 
And I'll end referring, referencing a friend, Dr. Martha Burita, from my time in Florida, author, scholar, and activist in the small town of Punta Gorda. Dr. Burita has over 20 years of experience as a consultant specializing in issues related to race, gender, cultural diversity, and empowerment. The primary focus of her work is racial disparity in discipline and academic achievement. I know it's near and dear to our hearts as well. Barita's socially responsive pedagogy is a conceptual framework designed to assist in the restructuring of the culture and climate of low-performing schools serving predominantly poor minority populations. Her most recent books are Cultures in Conflict, Eliminating Racial Profiling, and Schooling Poor Minority Children, New Segregation in the Post-Brown Era. While much has been achieved in our lifetime, there's still significant need today for faithful activism, deep policy changes, and basic human decency in order to protect and expand the civil rights that were won with such great commitment. And we know we're not done yet. Almost a decade ago, Di and I participated in the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee's Just Works program, which gave us a deeper education into the civil rights movement. And I'll share one story. In Mississippi, we met an 11-year-old girl who accompanied her mother to share her story with our group. This gracious and caring young girl would be leaving her private school for homeschooling. Why? She and the other black girl were asked to hold the Confederate flag at a school assembly while their classmates sang Dixie. When her mom learned of it, she tried to get the school board to understand what this might be like for black children but they offered no apology. So the two black girls left their school, a de facto segregation. May we be encouraged by remembering the bravery of many unsung heroes, whether they went to Selma for the march or to Europe, like the Unitarians, Reverend Waitzel and Martha Sharp who helped more than 2,000 Jews escape the unconscionable racism of many Europeans against Jews. With deep gratitude, we pay tribute to the black women we have noted today and the countless others whose names we do not know for responding to the critical need for visionary leadership in the United States. Oh, if only such an earth-shaking event could happen before it's too late. Visionary leadership in the United States. We know the struggle for justice and equity continues. As Robert Kennedy said, few will have the greatness to bend history itself, but each of us can work to change a small portion of events. And the total of these acts will be written the history of this generation. In the interconnectedness of this great web, what helps one helps many. What hurts one hurts many. 
What inspires a small group can change a neighborhood, can change the law, can change the well-being of many living things. Black, brown, and white together, we will build the world we dream about.